is going on. Wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Yes, there is love in the air. February 14th, it is Valentine's Day. Sending you a warm welcome to the Cold Calling Podcast, Season 3, Episode Number 6. I'm your host, Larry Long Jr., CEO, the Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. Now remember, the Cold Calling Podcast is powered by our great friends, Monster Connect, leveraging technology, leveraging human resource to deliver actual conversations to B2B sellers. Connect with and speak with eight to 12 decision makers per hour. Yes, that's what we're delivering to you. Now, hey, with the Cold Calling Podcast, our goal is to provide insights for sales reps and leaders, that's you, to get to that next level. We want to help you succeed in sales. Now, episode number six, this episode has extra special meaning. As our guest and I go way, way, way back, circa 2005, when I had my MVP Baseball Softball Academy, he was actually my sales professional for the Carolina Mudcats. I'll never forget, I was balling on a budget. And he was selling advertising. And I said, hey, I can find a couple of nickels underneath the uh, cushions. He said, I got you, boo. I will never forget that. Maya Angelou has a saying. People will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did. They'll never forget how you made them feel. And that's why this episode is so amazing for me. Because this gentleman, this guest, has made me feel great throughout my entire career. When I transitioned from my baseball academy, when that failed, he was supportive of me finding a career in tech sales. Uh, we're taking it back to the good old Sageworks days. He considered, he continued to support me in my transition to MedFusion. I went back to Sageworks, uh, Intuit Health, Channel Advisor, Three Ships. The list goes on and on. Connected me with Chaz at Pendo, which is a unicorn. He helped us found and start the Triangle SaaS sales grind. I think he still got that going. My transition to Teamworks, which, yeah, it makes the dream work. And then he's been instrumental in coaching me and guiding me here at LLJR Enterprises, got me connected with WakeMed Foundation. The list goes on and on. He was a contributing coach to the Sales Allies Project back in 2021. It is with extreme joy, true happiness, that I'm able to welcome him to the Cold Calling Podcast Show. He's the podcast host of WIP with John Lane and Will Barfield. No, they're not whipping anybody, but they're a work in progress. He's also the president, founder, and CEO of Barfield Revenue Consultants. I ask you to put your hands together and let's give a warm cold calling podcast to my man, Mr. Will Barfield. Welcome, Will. Hey, Larry, unbelievable intro, baby. Uh, you can keep going if you want. I'll go back in the green room and listen to more of that. Unbelievable intro for an unbelievable man, unbelievable person. Hey, Will, I'd like to get started. I want to give you the microphones because you are truly accomplished. You are great at what you do. The relationships that you establish, amazing. I want to know, who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? The mics are all yours. Got it, Larry. And again, thank you. Uh, I feel equally fortunate 
to have a friendship with you that goes back two decades. Um, it's hard to believe. And you look just the same as you did 20 years ago. I don't. Uh, it's, it's very, very clear on a video podcast. If this was audio, then, you know, m- maybe. But, uh, yeah, you've aged beautifully. I'm quite jealous. Uh, so, me, man, sales for me began in 1993. So, my first job, uh, real job in high school, um, was with a company called Atlantic Coast Waterproofing. And I worked five to nine, Monday through Thursday nights, and nine to one, Saturday mornings. So it was part-time. And it was a cold calling room. It was good, you know, enclosed, yeah. No windows, just like usually eight to 12 part-time people that were in there. And it had a little box, a little dialing box. And they give you pages out of the white pages. And you would just call people at home uh, and see if they had any problems with dampness or water seepage in their basement or crawl space and try to get an, book an appointment for a chief inspector uh, to go out there. And if you booked an appointment, you got five bucks. Uh, and if the meeting actually happened and the guy got to inspect or the gal got to inspect none of the house, you got 25 bucks. Um, and I think it was 10 an hour. And so $10 an hour in 1993 wasn't bad money for a high school kid. So I worked with them for uh, like a year and a half all the way through high school graduation. And um, yeah, I, I didn't plan to get into sales. I just wanted 10 bucks an hour. So the fact that they put a call box and a sheet of strangers in front of me and said, do this. I was like, okay, sure. Um, and this was before do not call. Yeah. So, you know, I heard some things on the phone. Uh, yeah. I was up dinner. It's like people just got home from work. I mean, it, the only thing I can think of it more brutal is the, the person that's like walking up and knocking on your door at like 630 at night. But that that's where I got into sales initially and then went to school, came out, and then, like you said, went to work for the Carolina Mudcats. Uh, worked in double-A minor league baseball. Yes, sir. Um, doing, you know, corporate sales. B2B for six years. And then I've been uh, in the recruiting industry now for 20. So all told, 25 plus years in sales, 16 of those in sales leadership, always those 16 player coach structure. So I carried a bag and led people. I never solely managed. And then I've been in recruiting since 04. And Amy and I have been running my wife, this woman owned small business for the last eight. uh, And we named it Barfield Revenue Consulting, BRC, uh, because that's what we do. We help our clients hire human beings who impact and drive revenue. So the types of work that I did, like you and I did together, when I staffed for you at Pendo, but also helped you with job placement, sales, marketing, business development, entry level through leadership, we place revenue driving people. Um, most of our clients are one to 500 high growth companies, software, IT, med tech, biotech, life sciences, market interrupting. They're typically raising VC money, private equity. Maybe they just got acquired. Maybe they're going IPO, taking a new product commercial to bring in a new leadership reorg. Something dynamic has occurred. And then we've been brought in to help with one or more hires like you, right? Or those on your teams, We've been doing it long enough, as you noted, and as my temples show, uh, that we've been referred all across the country. So we are fully national, Larry. All four domestic U.S. time zones, clients in each area, 
all levels of position up to executives. So we do C-suite retain work at this point also. Uh, and we've tackled projects in Canada, Latin America, the UK and Europe, and have been active in all those areas except for LATAM in the last 120 days. So that's me in a nutshell, but still in sales and business development, although it's very different now than it used to be after 19 years worth of cold calling. Um, thankfully, I've, I've done enough work and met enough people and built enough relationships with folks like you that, you know, mo all my work is inbound now. Um, but, you know, I, believe me, I've paid my dues. Wow, that, that is amazing. And we're honored to welcome you to the show. Can't wait to dig into the wealth of knowledge that you have, Will. I'm excited about this conversation. I want to start off with Spill the Tea. What's up with your LinkedIn profile pic? I see you got the green headset on. Do tell, because it looks like you're rocking and rolling on the headset. What's up with that picture? So back in 20, you know, when the world was weird uh, and, you know, things were shut down, there was not a lot of hiring happening at all, particularly in the spring and summer. I had a friend of mine who invited me to be on a podcast and uh, he's like, yeah, send me, send me like a, a picture of you with a headset on. I can use it in a promo. I didn't have one. Um, so I borrowed my daughter's uh, Xbox gaming headset because I was like, oh, it's green and black, like my colors. And just sat in this chair and put that thing on and took a selfie um, and sent it to him. And he's like, oh, I love that. It's great. And I got other good feedback on it. And then I just made it my uh, LinkedIn picture because it matches the logo and I look much younger in that picture, four years. Um, so that's a win and thinner. So that's a win. Um, and yeah, Matt, I think it you know matches with the color theme and because I'm doing the podcast with John uh, and I opt for the headset uh, when I do the podcast uh, and I'm explaining why in a moment, that's why I went with it, but I've never actually worn that thing for any kind of recording. Uh, I just, I mean, just put it on, took a picture and then put it back in her um, the game room. Uh, the reason I wear a headset is two. One is uh, I'm loud enough. I work in a home office with my wife. Hearing one side of the conversation for her is enough pain. She definitely doesn't want to hear both of them. The, the, uh, she's right downstairs, right? So I'm in the upstairs office. She's downstairs. Poor thing. Um, and then the other part is this room that I'm in has a vaulted ceiling. And when I don't have the headset on, it, it can be echoey. So I've had better report on audio when I wear this and if I just talk into the laptop. Oh, that's an amazing story. I love it right there. Now, Will, you mentioned something. You've been in this game for a while. Yeah. Uh, for making those cold dials in the room for five bucks an appointment. I'm curious, from your perspective, how has cold calling evolved? I mean, we now got digital marketing, social media, do not call list, the whole chat GPT. From your experience, you, you've, seen, you've seen some stuff. How has cold calling evolved and changed? Man, Larry, it's changed a lot. Um, you know, I started in the early 90s, right? And yep. That was B2C. That was residential uh, telemarketing. It's really what it was. Um, when I got started in sales, this is 1998. I you know, graduated from UNC, went to work for the Mudcats. And, you know, I my leads list was an index card box covered in dust. You know, 
and Joe Kramer, loving to death, general manager of the Mudcats at the time, he was like, hey, here's your leads. Call me when you sell something. Find me when you sell something. That was my training. You call all these people in this box, churches, schools, fire stations, you know, you know, Bob's bait shop. I mean, it, everything, you know, and you, I don't want to see you till you sell something. So cold calling back then was, you know, phone number on an index card. And if you, you know, if the contact changed, well, you marked that person out and you wrote under it in pen. So there wasn't, there was no CRM. Um, and then I, six years with them, transitioned over to Frankel Staffing Partners and worked for the, the wonderful and amazing uh, Rod and Lee Frankel uh, for 12 and a half years. And I, I brought with me um, the old habits of, of pen and paper cold calling because I was comfortable with it. Now they had a CRM, but it was the old days. That was 04. Your, you know, your CRM sat here and it didn't talk to this and it didn't talk to that, right? It was just this thing. So, I mean, I could put information in it, but I couldn't do anything with it. I couldn't pull it out, extrapolate it, attach it to something else. So I think I had ACT, A-C-T, um, as my, my CRM. But I, I would, I was selling local, small to mid-sized business, right? So my territory was outside sales. And, you know, I didn't inherit any clients. It was, you know, go, go build your book. And, you know, what I tried to figure out, right, to use some modern uh, terminology, I tried to figure out what our ICP was. What's our ideal customer profile? Who do we sell to? Who do we work with? What's a low-hanging fruit win? And then prospect based on that, right? So, okay, well, we let's say we serve a lot of law firms. Okay, well, that's pretty easy. Look up all the law firms in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill that are approximately the same size. And I've got something to sell to them, right? I've got evidence that we've done good work. Or, you know, we're in this office building. Okay, what would I do? I take my phone out and I take a picture of the directory. Go back to the office, research all those companies, try to figure out the phone number. And, you know, didn't have the technology to put it in there and have it solve all that for you. You know, and then, then I had another argument. Well, we're already working in your building. We're staffing for this company over here. We'd love, while we're, we'd love to serve you, blah, blah, blah. So it was figure out the ICP, either go by industry or go by geography or some other you know point of argument and get on Google um, and find a phone number, find a phone number. And it, I mean, LinkedIn was infancy stages then. I mean, I, it, I couldn't do what I do without it now. I mean, I, I, it, is my, it is essential to my work. But then it was like, I don't even know if I need this. I didn't research people in there. I called the receptionist. And I had to, you know, strike up in a very short amount of time a, a winning conversation and a, and a compelling point to get them to, to pass me on to whoever the right person was to talk to because their job is to play goalie, right? Their job is to keep me out. That's right. And I had to find a way to get in. Um, and probably 80% of my phone call work was just old school dial, get the front desk, talk to a human. And you know, have to ne- negotiate my way past that gatekeeper to try to get to either the business owner or the decision maker. So some of the things that have evolved today with you know the the tools that will do automated outreach for you, um, the chat GPT stuff that'll write you know emails and uh, LinkedIn messages and stuff, and you just got to click buttons like you know 
for me, it was always do the research, have a compelling reason, get that person into a conversation, win them over, and then create a little internal advocate, start and have them have them help me sell me up. And then, you know, my emails then and now and the messaging I use in recruiting outreach now, it's all custom written. I do each of them myself. It's a lot of time, but, you know, that's how I came up. And I, you know, I believe I get better response and, you know, a higher quality and more successful sale when, you know, I'm, I'm owning it soup to nuts. That's powerful. And we've come a long, long way. Now, I love how you talk about how you tailor your messages. And Will, I, I learned, you don't even know this, but I learned from watching you around the power of relationships. And for those folks out there that don't know, I don't know what time you wake up. I don't know if you ever sleep well, because I get messages from you at all kinds of hours, 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, what is this dude a vampire? But I really want to know what's your philosophy around relationships because you said that you've, you've, you've paid your dues, you've done this for a while. I'm curious. And I, I think that our viewers and our listeners can learn from you in terms of how you view relationships and how you leverage them within business. Great question. And I'll talk, thank you, Larry. And I'll talk micro and macro. So first I'll talk micro. When I was working with Frankel, and I was your local market, boots on the ground, B2B, small to mid-size business seller. Yep. Networking and relationship building was crucial. Now, as I told you, I spent 19 years cold calling. So I, I never, ever stopped doing that because yep. to feed the business, I had to be really active and I had to bring lots of opportunities into the pipeline so that some of those would come out. And, you know, in, in revenue for us. But one of the things I discovered as I started working in the local market was, wow, this networking and relationship building thing is pretty important. It's a longer tail sales cycle and it's more unpredictable. But if you do it consistently, you, you really can't lose. So I got involved in the Greater Raleigh Chamber of Commerce. And I got involved in the Raleigh Metro Society for Human Resource Management because HR decision makers were important to what I did for a living. I got involved with the Wake Med Foundation. I got involved with Haven House Services. I got involved with the Downtown Raleigh Alliance and many other organizations that I had a passion for, but that also were prominent in the community and were going to connect me with people. Um, philosophically, I went into those exchanges um, with the mission and goal of meeting new people and no pitching. Yeah. Okay. I didn't go to the Raleigh Metro HR meeting where those HR people were there for lunch and continuing education and start doling out business cards, right? They didn't, they didn't want vendors doing that kind of thing. I never told anybody what I did first. I asked them what they did. If they wanted to know what I did, they'd ask me. And then I'd tell them, but what I did was I volunteered in these organizations. I contributed. I showed up at the events. I introduced myself to a lot of people. I offered them things without asking for anything. Hey, I'll give you my time. Help with that committee. Hey, oh, you're interested in that company? Let me connect you to my friend over there. 
and paid in, just paid it forward and didn't ask for a thing and then got an unbelievable result from the community. Because of that, uh, got nominated and won, uh, you know, triangle uh, 40 under 40 back when I was under 40. That's been a while. Uh, back in 2013. And that didn't have anything to do with how good I was at sales. Nobody cared. That was about the community stuff. That was about the networking and the relationship building. So much like with you, when we first met and I kind of listened to what you were trying to accomplish and then tried to provide a solution that was a good match for you. That's what I have tried to do with human beings in my business. And thankfully I'm in the business of human beings. My product is people. So I have to take care of them and put relationships first. Now, in the in the candidate world, you know, we talk macro now, which is I'm you know, I'm not focused locally anymore. Yep. Uh, I got you know, as I said earlier, over twenty three thousand connections on LinkedIn, so I got a big network. Um, we're in a dynamic right now where there are a lot of people that are unemployed because of the layoffs and the budget cuts and the things that are going on with the economy and the interest rates. And it's, it's just tough. It's particularly tough in the tech sector, you know, that you and I worked in and worked together in so long. So I got a lot of people that are reaching out to me for help. You know, lost my job. Cousin lost his job. Uncle lost his job. Wife, probably at this point, at least a dozen people a day, every day, including the weekends, you help my friend, you help this person, you and I talked two years ago, help, help, help. I went through the same thing in 08 and 09. I went through the same thing in the 20 shutdown, right? Much more inbound, please help me, than uh, inbound business from a client saying, hey, I need to hire somebody. So that outscaled. So, the relationship building piece of your point, what am I doing in those dynamics? Well, I'm responding to everyone. So I at least reply to everybody inside 24 hours. That's a philosophy. Wow. And one of the reasons I'm up so early is because I do follow through on that. Silence. Silence is worse than saying I can't help you. And unfortunately, communication is a lost art these days. And people just, they get lazy and they let silence win. I won't let silence win. So at least get back to you and say, you know, hello person, you know, here's what I think I can do to help. And I try to offer something. It may be advice. It may be a connection. Maybe I give them some uh, feedback on their LinkedIn. Maybe I give, I, I found one of them recently, I found a big typo in their resume and like, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. Um, and just try to, to help them move the ball a little bit because when you're looking for a job, you feel very alone and it helps that just someone else is listening when you're in a marketplace that's so noisy because there's so many people looking, but is silent at the same time because so few people are responding. So it's weird to have that. You can be alone in a very loud place. You know that. You can be in an arena full of with strangers and you're not at all alone physically, yet you feel alone emotionally. And that's how those people feel. So I respond and try to help. And at least a couple times a day, I'm able to connect somebody to somebody else. Happened this morning. Um, reached out to somebody I hadn't talked to since 2012 on LinkedIn. But a guy who is unemployed was like, hey, I'm interested in this company. Do you know anybody there? And I was like, hang on a minute. 
So I sent her a message and I said, hey, we haven't talked in a long time, but I'm hoping you can help me with some recruiting karma. This gentleman wants to apply to a job over here. Would, is, do you guys have an employee referral program? Would you be willing to help him? Yeah, connect us, right? Off and running. I'm not getting paid on that. I mean, what I do for a living is I fill jobs and people send me money. I'm not getting paid there today. That's right. But I'll get paid later because neither one of those people, like Maya Angelou said, will forget. And they will, they, I got, I don't know how many clients I got now, paid clients, good paid clients that were people I helped in eight and nine and 20 in the same way. And then they end up in the hiring manager capacity and they're like, all right, it's time to pay you back. Right. Or they end up at a company and they hear somewhere in a conversation that they need some external recruiting help. And they're like, yo, I got your guy. Um, so that's that micro on networking relationship building, but also kind of macro with an application to what's going on in the job market today. Will, you just gave a master class. And for the folks in the back, I'm, I'm going to make sure you can hear me. Will is a go-giver, proactively giving, 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 not seeking to receive, doing free work. And I can attest to it. There were a few companies, uh, Channel was one, and there were others that you helped me even though you weren't getting paid today. But like you said, when you give and you give and you give, you know it's going to come back around. That, 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 that's absolutely amazing. Now, being that our listeners are currently cold calling or they lead cold callers or they want a cold call, what tips do you have? Because like you said, today's market is tough. Let, let, let's say I'm not in a position or I'm in a position I don't like. What advice can you give to me? I'm, I'm going to listen closely for me to be successful in finding that best fit for me. Wow. Um, so a couple of things, and I'm, I'm leaning on something I used to say to sales reps when I was uh, managing them uh, when it comes to, you know, prospecting. So I'm um, cold calling, prospecting, you know, whatever method you do it, whether it's cold call by phone or cold call by message, um, you, the one thing you can control is your effort level. And if your effort level is consistent, if your effort level stays steady, then every sales rep I ever had worked for me, if they were consistent, then the revenue went up. It's the people where their effort level and their consistency has, you managed these people before, peaks and valleys, up and down. And when they're high, they're high. When they're low, they're low. And then their revenue generation and their overall income is all over the map because their, their effort pursuit is a heart monitor. If you can dedicate yourself to consistency, then sales is just a numbers game, Larry. It's math. You can't lose. You know, I'm stubborn and old school. And when I worked at Frankel, Monday was cold calling day. I picked a day, Monday. Monday was my day. Come into work. Hey, everybody, close the door. I opened it at five. And I sat in there and I cold called all day long until I set the number of appointments I had for myself as a goal. And if I set more than my goal, that was a win. But I called till five. Brought lunch, had some coffee, but 
Monday was my day and they knew to leave me alone. And I built my schedule for the rest of the week based on the strength of Monday. And I did that for 12 and a half years consistently every Monday, unless it was a holiday, right? Or a snow day. But that if you just will commit yourself to that consistency and you can actually stick to it, you can't lose. And, you know, that's tip number one. From a technique standpoint, stuff I used to do, you know, I, I don't even know if it works today. I, I, I won't get into that necessarily. I'd be a whole other, uh, you know, back in the day podcast we could do together. But, um, you know, in terms of the market, uh, you know, and, and career pursuit and how to win, um, you know, my gosh, there's, there's a lot of salespeople out there that call themselves salespeople. Uh, that really aren't. And it's easy for me to tell the difference in them when I'm looking at a resume or a LinkedIn profile, or I'm on a phone screen, because if all I see are words and all they talk about is, you know, they're hitting me with lingo and they've got a bunch of pros in there, P-R-O-S-E about the things that they've done and they have no numbers then I don't know that they did it. A, a resume and a LinkedIn profile for someone who is a successful salesperson, and this is my opinion, should be not terribly dissimilar from the box score after an athletic event. Larry, if you missed the game, you still know who the best player was on the court or on the field because the proof's in the numbers. It's in the stats. You didn't have to see it. You know that that guy was the best one today because it's right there. So put it on your resume and put it on your LinkedIn. And if you don't have it, then A, you probably haven't done it. Or B, you haven't had good coaching yet on how to build a resume. But I always tell people stat load. You should be you should be able to brag about it. How many outbounds did you make? What was your conversion? Uh, you know, anything you can talk about, how many presence clubs did you go to, or how many times were you over quota for, you know, a quarter? Um, it is really competitive out there right now. And the, the differentiation, the, the separation between, uh, you know, competitive candidates is slim. So the way that you're going to win is if, if you can flex some stat muscle, right. And show some things that others can't, um, that's how you, 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 you get above the noise level with, with that. So my, my tips and advice would certainly be, A, if you're in a sales role and you're trying to you know, level up or separate yourself, uh, look what everybody else, is around, everyone else around you is doing and who's the best. The best is probably the most consistent. So can you dedicate yourself to that? If you can't, maybe you shouldn't be in sales. And then if you're in the market looking for a role and you're wondering why I'm not getting calls back or why is no one responding to my resume or, you know, why is no one stopping on my LinkedIn? It's because you haven't built something that makes them want to stop and read. But I, you know, you think of all the resumes you got in your career as a hiring manager, Larry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When that thing had 116% of this, 183% of that, and they were talking about 83% percent conversion of this and whatever and they they gave you gaudy stats you're like yeah will i want to talk to them 
Yep. I, I love it. I love it. And Will, you, you dropped so many nuggets there. I'm going to flip it on the other side. So, so let's say I am in a high growth organization mm-hmm. and I'm looking to bring in some talent. In addition to the consistency, you called it stat load and I love it. Give me the numbers. I want to know what your production level looks like. The consistency, the effort, the dedication, your effort. What else should I be looking for for those most successful, let's say, lead generation, BDRs, SDRs, but also let's go to AEs for those closers who hopefully are also cold calling and filling their funnel. What are some of the key attributes that I should be looking for? Well, great question. And as an an external recruiter, uh, you know, who is sourcing these people, um, you know, I, I, I can answer to that from what I look for. And I, I think it translates exactly to what a hiring manager should be seeking to. Um, let's say the resume is great, right? LinkedIn's awesome. It's a really nice picture. I talked to a guy yesterday. He was wearing a suit jacket with a bow tie. Loved it. Loved that LinkedIn picture. I immediately asked him, I was like, do you tie that yourself? He's like, yeah, man. I said, like, you know how to tie bow ties? Having a signature thing is cool, Right. <laughs> But let's say the LinkedIn's great, resume's great, bow tie's great. I reach out and I get back a message that's poorly written. Or they, you know, the, the things are lowercase, it shouldn't be. Or the grammar's bad. Or let's say they're just really slow to respond. Or, you know, they respond and say, you know, I'm going to do X and then they don't do it. So in the qualification phase, the, the, the dating phase where you're trying to figure out, do I want to talk to this person? Do the communication skills line up with who they say that they are? Are they responsive when they respond? Is it well-written? Are they, are they showing that they're taking their time? Did they do some research? Uh, I'm looking for that. I went to school for journalism, so I'm, you know, I'm picky about written communication and business writing and just communication in general, because I was a Bachelor of Arts, not a Bachelor of Science. So that that communication piece and the writing piece are really important to me. Um, these people are going to be eventually communicating with your potential buyers. Right. And depending on you know what you're selling and at what level, I mean, they can be sending communications to C-level executives. Do you want lowercase I's and LOLs? Going into the, the the note to the C level executive, probably not. So look for that stuff in that early phase of engagement with a candidate. And if they pursue you and they apply to your job and they got a well written you know message, why maybe they DM you in LinkedIn and they're like, "Hey, I saw your job. I've applied, but hiring manager, I also wanted to message you directly and let you know." This is who I am, and this is why I'm interested in, in your position. And they go to that extra level. They are sharing with you that they're going to go the extra level when they're pursuing a prospect because that's what you are. I try to tell people that inter- interviewing, particularly salespeople, that's a, that it's, you're, it's a selling moment. Every interview is a selling moment. Are you selling, and are you selling well? I had a phone screen with a young man this morning who was referred to me by another candidate. I went after that candidate. He's a great fit for the role. My client based on comp just can't afford him. He referred someone more junior than him 
to me for this role. And I was skeptical, but I, I sent the guy a note because I always do. Hey, you refer by blah, blah, blah. Right, right back to me. Yes. He said, you were, were great. I really loved to engage you. Here's my resume. This is, these are my career goals. And I was like, okay, what are you looking for comp wise? And he got, he was like, I've looked base like this OTE here. Um, and these kinds of positions. And it just so happens that the, he's not a perfect fit on paper, but the OTE matchup is good for another job I'm working on. And I just like this style. So I said, okay, well, let's hop on a call. When are you available? And he said, I will open my calendar up for you. All right. So really good pattern here. Really good pattern here. Then we get on the call today and he had done his homework. He had good questions. He had researched and then he closed me. Then he said, is there any reason why you wouldn't move me forward in this process? Right. So whether he's a perfect fit on paper or not, I got a really compelling argument to make to the client to say, I think you should talk to this gentleman because the behaviors are there. So to hopefully I answered your question, you know, it, that, that dating phase where we're figuring out, do we want to actually formally interview this person? Let's pay really close attention to communication skills and just general one-on-one follow-up. Have they been trained, you know, or do they just have some good internal sales DNA that they just, they know how to behave when the lights are on. That, that that's amazing right there will i can't thank you enough for sharing that i got one final question before we wrap up here because oh, no no, no one knows what the future holds no but but i know that you've got a tight pulse i'm, I'm gonna call you dr will for this one i want to know what is the future of sales look like where where are we heading and i don't even mean five to ten years from now but but i want to know kind of a year let's let's go 12 to 24 months from now yeah what do you think is on the horizon okay so about two years ago eight i loved your glasses by the way about two years ago 85 percent of our revenue was coming from software and tech about two years ago that's what zero cold calling. That's just inbound. Okay. Today, today, 15%. No, I fired no clients. No clients fired me. That's just how the market has evolved since the wow. middle, late of 22. That's what's happened to tech. It's been eviscerated. Um, where am I busier? I'm busier in traditional industries like construction and manufacturing, uh, healthcare, financial services. So I'm hiring for sales, but you know the, the market has shifted. And right now, what you're dealing with in tech is you've got much more supply yeah. than you have demand. And when supply exceeds demand, that's not good for the market in terms of people who are trying to be absorbed and hired for sales positions. There's many, many more sellers looking than there are roles available presently. Okay. Uh, so what does that mean for the future? Uh, number one, things are not going to get a lot better in sales hiring, particularly in software and tech, until a couple things happen. One, the interest rate goes down significantly. Interest rate's high right now. You know what that means? Your money's earning more in the bank right now today, Larry, than it did before, isn't it? Just sitting there in savings, they gave you a better rate. So what do you think the companies are going to do with that salary money? Are they going to spend it on human beings or freeze that role and leave it in the bank? We're expensive. 
Let's park that money over here and make five and a quarter. But when the interest rate starts to come down and, and, the, and there's an inversion and it starts to make more sense to invest that money in people than in you know, the bank, then that will shift. The other thing is we're in an election year right now. This is 24. We don't know who the leader is going to be. We don't know which winning party is going to dominate. We don't know what that's going to mean for the stock market, the economy, or fiscal policy. So a lot of people are just sitting and waiting. And it's going to be a sit and wait year because of the interest rates and because of the election stuff. Businesses are being conservative and careful. VC and private equity is pulling money back. There's a lot of dry powder out there not being expended on these startups that were rapid hiring salespeople in 21 and early 22. Sales hiring in tech will rebound, but I am not predicting that until 25. When we get beyond the election, I think we'll have a little shake loose there unless the interest rate falls significantly during the course of 24 to free up that cash. Cause right now the cash isn't free. So, you know, we're pivoting to the markets where hiring is happening and, you know, yeah, I'm not hiring a lot of, you know, tech sales right now just because of the market dynamics, but I'm hiring for sales in plastics. That's interesting. Who knew that would happen? I didn't cold call a plastics company that came to me through my network. Um, so it's just, you got to react and pivot to what, what the market is giving you. So a salesperson right now, who's looking, that's been in tech and really wants to go back into tech and isn't being successful in tech. What can they do? Well, think about who you've sold to, who's bought from you and what markets have you worked in? If you were in software, but you were selling FinTech, you were calling on banks. Maybe you can find another job that isn't necessarily in software, but the end user buyer is the same or the industry is the same. So think about the industries you've sold to, where your success has been, where you've gotten wins and pivot in the direction that, that makes logical sense. You've got a good argument to make when you apply as opposed to just getting locked in this cycle of, I got to stay in tech. I'm going to apply to as many jobs as I can. Um, does that help? Oh, that, that's spot on, spot on. You Hopefully the folks out there have the gears turning. Because uh, uh, who is this? Someone's knocking at the door. Opportunity is knocking at the door, maybe not in the traditional place that you're used to, but exploring the plastics, healthcare, life and technology, life sciences. Oh, wow. That's yeah, amazing. Hey, Will, yeah. I know we got to wrap, but I want to know where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? How can they best support you? So barfieldrevenue.com, come and visit the website anytime. Um, visit me on LinkedIn, ask to connect. I, I love connecting with people. And, you know, it. Uh, I'm not giving up my phone number today. Uh, you have it, Larry. You can call me anytime, dear. Uh, but yeah, website and LinkedIn, check me out. We do have, I do have a podcast uh, that I do with my, my good friend and business partner, John Lane. It's called uh, Work in Progress. So you can find that attached to my LinkedIn page. You can also find it on YouTube. And uh, if you you know, want to, for whatever reason, see me again, then you can log on and watch that. We have a show every week. And that's about leadership and vulnerability and recognizing our weaknesses and our flaws and how do we get better as leaders. So it's, uh, as opposed to the interview show where somebody talks about how great they are, we actually talk about you know, where we fall down. Um, and how we how we grow as a result of that. It was John's brainchild, but it's a lot of fun to do that. Um, 
and yeah, it was a lot of fun to be on here and I don't get to talk about the old days that often. So it's nice to recycle some of that content. And uh, I hope this is beneficial information for your, your viewers and listeners. It's been great to spend this time with you, brother, as it always is. Likewise. Well, I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. To all of our viewers and listeners, let's make sure that we go out and we support Will. Follow him. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Make sure you go check out Barfield Revenue Consultants. Let's make sure that we tune in and we listen in to Whip with John Lane and Will Barfield because we're all works in progress. And let Will, me say, can I say one more thing, Larry? One more. Yes, sir. Before I forget, this is important. Yes, sir. A lot of people, I'm looking right into the camera right now. A lot of people, when they are not working or in a struggling situation with the job market, feel bad about asking for help. And so they don't. And when I talk to them, I ask them a question. If your friend asked you for help like this, would you help? Well, of course I would. Treat yourself well too. Be kind to yourself. Don't do it on your own. Ask for help. People will help you just like you would help them. Do not get caught in your own small world. Get locked in that box. Reach out. There are people who will help you, including me. I just wanted to make sure I made sent that message across because it you can get lonely out there and you're like, I don't want to bother people. To heck with that. Wow. Well, you you just dropped the mic right there. I'm wishing you and Amy a happy Valentine's Day. Yes. Nothing but love. And just I love how you're always open to serving, to helping others. And I'm encouraging everyone. Take Will up. He will follow through, which he talked about. I've experienced it over and over. My colleagues, my friends, my family has experienced it as well. Will, you are an absolute gem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What an amazing episode. I want to share with everyone else. Please join us next Wednesday, February the 21st. Same bat time, same bat place, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific, as we welcome our next guest all the way from across the pond. We've got Mr. Owen Williams. Oh, duh. But let's give it up to Mr. Will Barfield. Thank you, Will. All the best. Keep shining bright. Nothing but love. We'll see y'all. Happy selling. <laughs>